Welcome to the Believe in the Land podcast. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. It's been a long delay. I had a great week of traveling, and I got married this week for the second time, which was wonderful. So I'm a little bit behind on what I normally do, so I apologize for the delay. I'm doing this podcast, but here we are. The Browns won against Arizona in a game that just needed to happen the way it played out. The Browns needed a chance to really get their skis here for their last nine games of the season, and they did. The Cardinals gave them ample opportunity to feel better, get better, and the Cardinals, frankly, were an inferior opponent. They just did not put out much of an effort to win. It felt like with their not with their play on the field, but with their players, um, they just they sat a lot of guys. They wanted to give Kyler Murray one more week. That was a gift for the Browns, and the Browns took advantage of it, which is good. And they played wonderfully in this game. They did what they had to do in this game. I would not champion this game around, um, as some people have, but the one thing I would champion around are twofold. The 58 total yards on defense given up is a remarkable stat. For 48 plays to only give up 58 total yards is just remarkable. says a lot about the talent. Or the Browns' defense. But it also proves that the Browns did what they knew they had to do. They needed to rebound off what was shaky performances on defense the past weeks with the Seahawks and the Colts. The Browns had to show some life on defense, that they were this defense that's being hyped around the league, that these stats were legitimate. They did in that game. Denzel Ward was great in this game. He had a wonderful interception. Dalvin Tomlinson, great game. Grant Delpit, wonderful game, statistically and from the eyeball test. It was just a great job by the Browns taking care of an opponent and suffocating him. The 58 total yards on 48 plays is a remarkable, remarkable stat. Also getting a shutout, great. Checking a box and, again, showing that the Browns can on any given day Suffocating opponent as they did for the Cardinals, which they needed to do in that case. The other big storyline was Deshaun Watson finally was able to open up a little bit. His deep ball passing really was, uh, he showed off his arm. He really looked good for his deep balls. I don't think going forward there will be as much question about how Deshaun's going to be able to get the ball down the field. In fact, I would actually state, I think from here on out, What's going to be more of the question is can Deshaun Watson make all the passes? The, the deep passes there showed it. He can throw the ball deep and Amari Cooper can catch it. Hopefully Marquise Goodwin can come back at some point and make some catches too because of his speed. But they definitely have a rapport of Cooper and Watson, which is excellent. I mean, that's what you want um, in any offense. And the Browns have not really had – it's hard to even think about the last time they've had a combination. Maybe it's just Braylon Edwards and Anderson. My gosh, it's been that long. But really, Baker didn't have really a go-to guy when he was quarterback here. So for the Browns, maybe Landry, but I don't even think that was uh, like what I'm seeing here from Cooper and Watson, so it's not even fair to compare. So great to see Watson do that. He's got to show more consistency with the everyday pass. Five yards to even 10 yards. I, I'm still looks a little sloppy, I think, in this game because of how 
poorly the Cardinals offense was working and the great defense for the Browns and allowed him to take a breath and hopefully settle down nerves. I mean, that's a big thing for me in this game too. Hopefully Watson has graduated from feeling the tightness and nervousness of had to perform at such a high level. Hopefully he feels better after that game. I would hope. I would hope. It should have shaken off some rust. It was a great time for this. Again, it almost felt like a double buy for the Browns. They needed a laugher, and my gosh, did they get one. Um, it's everything you want as a Browns fan. Defense shined. Watson performed well. Wasn't perfect. Again, I think there's some things he needs to really tighten up, but okay. And they made and they did enough plays to keep the game very relatively uncompetitive. After the third quarter, it was the game was gone, and really by the middle of the third quarter, you, you knew who was going to win the game. It's everything he wanted to as a Browns fan. That's perfect. Now we head into Ravens week. Big test, duh. Can they win this game? Questioning, what can they do to stop Lamar Jackson? Duh. These are all topics that are going to be bantered about. What I think the theme is for this game, the underlying theme, this gives an excellent opportunity for Watson to really close out the naysayers. He should be feeling better after the Cardinals game. You want to put away everything in one game? Win this game in Baltimore. He had the opportunity to start feeling better and getting back on the field against the Cardinals. That was his mental health game. You want to put away any doubt and turn this fan base? You have an opportunity. You have a great opportunity against the Ravens. A lot of people aren't expecting the Browns to win this game. Everybody expects Lamar Jackson to shine over to Deshaun Watson. And that's fair. It's very fair. Ravens are a great team. Some are even predicting them to go there, you know, the Super Bowl. This is the hated Ravens. So it's an emotional game. So we're going to be into it as fans. This is a chance for Watson to win over this fan base. You don't get that often in your career. He's got it. And he's actually got it at a time where he's feeling better. There's not as many questions. Yes, there's still some debate about what's going to happen. I'm debating it as well. But there is not as much like mystery of can he even go out there and pass. There's not going to be a theme this week. The theme is going to be can the Browns actually compete and win in this game on the road where most people don't see the Browns doing that. That's where this game's going to come down to. It's an excellent opportunity for Watson. We're talking a lot about the keys this week to this game, but this is a great opportunity for Watson. I want to say it again. Browns don't have to win this game. I know people are going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. They don't. If you, the Browns lose this game, yes, they have to beat Pittsburgh. I believe they have to beat um, the Bengals Cincinnati. So both are possible. So I don't want to come out here saying like, oh boy, they lose this game. The season's tanking, no playoffs. I don't believe that either. So it's not all or nothing. But it gives, again, it gives an excellent opportunity for Watson to win over this fan base. You don't get a lot of these. He's going to have an opportunity in this game. Win this game, you're going to start winning over the fan base. He should be feeling much better. His mental health should be Really, really feeling good after this past win with the Cardinals. This is an excellent opportunity for Watson to win this fan base.
that is wobbly, st still wobbly over how they feel about him, me included. Big opportunity for Watson. More about the Ravens and the Browns here on Believe in the Land throughout the week. The Cavs are really off to a slow start. They are not playing to their ability. They won against Golden State. Then they had a strange loss to the Thunder. And the reason why I say strange is they didn't make any adjustments in these games where they're playing teams like the Thunder and the Pacers, and they believe they can just keep up with them. I think the Cavs have to do a better job of realizing who they are. To play fast pace against a team like the Pacers and the Thunder just don't make sense. And so far, they've had some games um, where, frankly, I, I think their coaching has lacked. Um, JB is definitely on fire with the fans when it comes to um, likability. I've been wind up, I've been preaching patience. I think that's fair. I will say eight games in. Not seeing enough from JB where I'm feeling comfortable. And in fact, I'm seeing things where he's starting to hurt the team. Hopefully that will turn around. Hopefully he will make some adjustments and go back to some things I think have really helped this team win. Because what I'm seeing from the Cavs is the team is probably going to go around 500 or a little bit above if they continue to play this fast pace basketball, which I think they need to play faster, but not to the level that I'm seeing on the floor. And it's not to their strength. Great win against Golden State. Jared Allen, who's really come – and I want to be fair to Jared Allen. He's really played well so far since he's come back from injury. Good for him. I root for Jared Allen really hard. Like the guy. Very, very likable guy. Very likable guy. Mobley's still struggling. He played better against the Thunder. He had a good game against Golden State. The offense, though, um, hasn't really changed from last year to this year. Not a big difference. Not a big jump. In fact, there's no jump. It's the same. Um, still early in the season. Still time to develop. But Mobley, this big offensive jump has not happened. I think that's also hurt the Cavs here a little bit. Cavs are finally starting to get healthy, which is good. They're on a they're on a West Coast swing where they play Golden State, Sacramento, and Portland. Then they come back. It's a little bit of a rough stretch here, but <clears throat> no back to backs. And they've had a lot of time off this week. They've only played once since Sunday, and we're doing this podcast on Friday, so they've had a long time off. Let's see how the Cavs handle these stretch of games. And again, pace of play is something to start watching. I do think the Cavs are not playing to their strengths and how they can win or lose games. Guardians hired Stephen Vogt. <clears throat> they were not unable to sign counsel. Mets were in the same position. They weren't able to sign him either. They got Carlos Mendoza back to the back to the Guardians. Uh, Stephen Vogt was kind of the leader in the clubhouse midway through this process, and he ended up being the selection. Younger guy. Well-liked guy. This is a guy that, you know, you don't hear that a lot sometimes with coaches. He's well-liked. Um, very positive guy. Uh, people seem to gravitate to him. Is that surprising that the Guardians hired him? Actually, out of the three teams, no. Guardians like people they like to work with. So I think that's a positive. We'll see how this works out. I wouldn't get too high or too low on this selection. 
because, again, there's some real risk because of his age. He's never managed before. But the likability is there. The analytics is there, which the Guardians like. And I'm not naive. He definitely fits into what they try to do. So it makes sense. But, again, is it an A? No. If people want to give grades an F. No, it's not an F. It's probably somewhere between a, you know, in a B and C range. Time will tell. Patience with that one, for sure. But Stephen votes new manager. Again, it made sense for what they want to do. I like the idea that he, again, is a guy that brings a lot of positive vibes. I do think that's a good thing for the, for the Guardians. He's a longtime catcher. I think that's also a positive. They talk about a lot of that in the articles, and I agree with the articles. And well, time will tell. Again, not super high on it either. He's not proven, <clears throat> and this team is ready to win now, and that's, that is a lot of pressure on both. Again, I don't care what the predictions are. The Guardians, even with their youth, have a lot of guys that have been here for a while. They're ready to win. The next big storyline for the Guardians will be what is going to happen with Shane Bieber. No hot rumors yet, but I would really keep your eye on that. I, I don't see him being here in February. So far, as of November 10th, he's right here in town. That's the week that was in Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. Have a great week. This will be a quick turnaround. Next podcast will be on Sunday. Until then. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!